Chapter Thirteen of The Wind by Dorothy Scarborough. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in October two thousand twenty one. Chapter Thirteen. Letty stood by the window, her gaze straining after the swirl of sand that marked Lige's going, until distance blurred it, then made it invisible. Where was he going? Not to Bev's, for he was headed in the opposite direction, away from town. No house lay along that direction for ten miles, except the deserted shack where Sourdough had lived since her marriage had driven him from Lige's house. Sourdough had gone back to take his turn at caring for the cattle he and the other man had driven to Devil's River, so Lige could not hope to see him. Hugh Henderson had moved. The nearest neighbour was ten miles away. But perhaps Lige was only riding in a mad frenzy to work off his feelings, and when his horse was run down, maybe he would start back home. Then they could talk things over quietly. He had lost his head for a time, because the wind had stirred him up too, as well as herself, had worked on his nerves till they were beyond control. That was another wrong the wind had done her. Maybe Lige had gone to see if he couldn't borrow from somebody enough money for a ticket to Virginia for her. She would sit by the window, watching for him, till he rode back, and maybe he would come to understand how she felt, and not be so hard on her. Lige had never been hard on her before. She drew a chair beside the window and sat there, still as a statue of despair, her shoulders slumped, her hands folded in her lap, her head drooping. Silence as profound as that of the grave enveloped her. Not a living thing was near her to make any noise, not a mouse snowing in the wall, not a prairie dog that yapped above his mound, no cheerful chicken to crow, no dog to bark. Even the wind was preternaturally still, as if to add its uncanny silence as another terror. High in the blue, a buzzard floated soundlessly. The woman felt as if she were in a vacuum, a solitude so vast that no voice, no life, no motion could break the awful spell, in a world from which all living creatures save herself had fled, herself and one buzzard that lingered near the bleached bones of cattle long dead, the rotting carcasses of others. Or was he waiting for another victim? Did an abandoned soul left to perish on some desert island feel more lonely than she? Could a mortal solitary in a world from which pestilence had swept all his companions feel more companionless? This desolate desert was not a part of God's green earth where people lived, it was apart from it in time and space, a land accursed, under a spell. What would happen to her if Lige didn't come back? She hurried away from that thought as from a rattlesnake. Should she starve to death or lose her reason because of her loneliness and fear? But no, he would come back, of course. 
he was too good too kind of heart to leave her like this he had gone off in a rage because he was a man and men couldn't understand how a woman's nerves must go to pieces because of the wind and the sand and the lonesomeness but chiefly the wind but when he had time to think it over he would come back he had felt sorry for her at first had realized that she was just a weak inexperienced girl that didn't know how to be a pioneer that didn't have it in her to be a pioneer he called her pobrecita poor little thing women of the west needed to be big and strong and full of life like cora then drought and hard work and wind couldn't break them if she hadn't been there lige would maybe have married some western girl sturdy and plucky and gay who could have helped him as he needed her she had spoiled lige's chance of happiness as well as her own but then it was the wind's doing his words about cora scorched in her memory she has boosted him and chirked him up through the hard times and kept him alive with her spunk she's a better woman than you are for she has stuck by her man yes cora had but she hadn't and now her man was gone away in a passion but he'd come back of course but would he her body burned with shame as she heard again his last words to her you married me not loving me you lived with me not loving me christ what sort of a woman are you well what sort of a woman was she after all she hadn't meant to be bad was she bad life had got her in a corner and had driven her to do things she hadn't wanted to and that didn't rightly represent her life in the last year had been like a norther that battered her and scared her almost to death so she couldn't know what to do she had just tried to struggle on the best she could through one hour to the next maybe when lige came back she could find words to make him see how she felt so that he wouldn't despise her men couldn't know how weak a woman's nerves were how frail her body slow hours passed and still he didn't come her eyes ached from staring at the yellow desert sand the cloudless blue of the sky the bleached bones of lige's cattle but still no horse and rider showed far off on the plains the sun was settling toward the west bright gold against the blue Perhaps Lige had ridden farther than he realized, and it would take him longer to make his way back. Soon, soon she would see him spurring his tired horse across the prairie to get to her before she was too frightened. He knew how easily she was scared. Still he did not come. The sun sank toward the level plain and shot his lambent rays across the heavens, broad bands of rainbow light more beautiful than words than even human thoughts could render sunset would soon be over and lige hadn't come home 
after sunset would come the short winter dusk and after that the dark the thought struck a chill to her soul the frozen finger of fear traced out her spine night the dark alone she sprang up and ran to the other window as if by some miracle light could be coming from the opposite direction but the prairie as she looked at it there was as empty as the other way with not even a far-off speck that might be a man on a horse but in the north a little white cloud lay low on the horizon a casual careless little cloud like a fluff of lamb's wool as she looked it grew and darkened it spread out and up like a great dark wing across the sky it was blue-black in startling contrast to the azure it was covering oh could it be that rain was coming blessed rain to break the drought and save them all from starving or from going mad rain that would end their troubles as by a miracle from god rain rain she babbled incoherently stretching out her hands cup fashion as if to catch the first gracious drops lige could smile again if it rained he could be his old cheerful kindly self not the haggard wretched man with his nerves shattered by suspense and worry rain now would put out water in the water-holes would make the grass grow green in the spring would make next year a time of hope instead of torment thank god for the rain she flung open the door as if to rush out to meet the rain to let its cooling drops fall on her face her hair her body but an icy chill struck her and she knew the truth no rain but a norther was what the cloud meant that was why the wind had been so crafty and so still it was gathering its forces for a norther to trick her and to break her spirit when she was here alone almost immediately the wind was upon her with a terrible impact she shrieked and whirled back to flee into the house to escape it it should not catch her yet she almost fell across the threshold and slammed the door behind her though it took all her strength to close it she felt that a sentient brute force was exerted to oppose her but desperate fear lent her power and she got it closed then she stood in the middle of the room and struck her clenched hands together the norther had known that Lige was gone and it had planned to trap her she stood there tense defiant for a time when she looked out again creeping to the window stealthily to see what her enemy was doing she saw that the sand blew in billowing curtains between her and the sky vast folds that twisted and writhed in mocking shapes what monstrous unseen terrors did those curtains hide suddenly she was aware of the cold of the room the fire had gone out and in her absorption in her wretchedness of spirit 
she had not been conscious of her physical discomfort. But now the drop in temperature roused her to realization. With shaking fingers she set about rebuilding the fire in the round-bellied stove in the room. No need of one in the kitchen, for the thought of food was enough to choke her. She made repeated efforts before she got the blaze going again, with mesquite roots and cow chips gathered from the prairie as fuel. She held out her numb fingers toward the warmth. Outside, the curtains of sand were stretching higher, higher, until they blotted out the last faint blue of the fading sky and hid the round ball of the sun. She must have light, for soon the dark would be there. She quickly filled her lamp with kerosene, cleaned the chimney, trimmed the wick so that the light might shine as clearly as possible. She must be sure of light before the dark fell. Night was almost on her, and Lige hadn't come home. New fears came to harass her. Perhaps his horse had stumbled, his foot in a prairie dog hole, and had thrown his rider. Maybe the horse had broken his leg so that Lige would have to walk all the way home. That would take him longer, of course. But he would surely come. When darkness stole into the room, she lighted the lamp, turned it up to shine brightly, and set it on the center of the table. She felt afraid of the windows and started to pull down a shade. How terrible if the norther should peer in and see her! But her hand stayed in its motion as a thought arrested her. She ought to leave the window clear and the light burning brightly so that Lige could see how to come home. In the storm, in the driving sand, it would be hard for him to find his way, and she must leave the light to guide him. "'I've got to make it easy for him to come home,' she muttered aloud. What if Lige should lose his way? What if he were even now driven helpless over the prairie, unable to know in what direction his home lay, with even his coyote sense of direction lost in this blinding sandstorm? But I reckon the horse could find his way home, even in a sandstorm, she answered her fear. She spoke aloud as if the sound of her voice would make the statement more emphatic, and hence more true. Yes, horses knew more about weather than human beings did. What was it Lige had said? It's their only protection out here on the plains. The horse would surely bring his master safe home. Still, he did not come. Fears worried her, as the heel-flies had nagged the helpless cattle incessantly. If only she could know where he was. He had never left her alone at night before. He knew how scared she was, what a coward about the dark and the wind. He knew how the wind almost drove her crazy when it blew like this. The wind, as if in answer to her thought of it, dashed itself against the frail house that creaked and shivered with the force of it. She could hear the timbers straining, 
creaking. Would they hold? How could the shack withstand such violence? Only a little house, boxed and stripped, as Lige had said, set up on rocks laid in the top of the ground, just a rock at each corner, and one here and there along the side. The icy winds came in through the cracks in the floor, through the crevices in the wall, through the crannies under the doors and windows, so that now and then the high flame of the lamp flared a bit in a gust that seemed to come from nowhere and from everywhere at once. Lige didn't come. Was he coming at all? She thought of that other night, how long ago, when she had been terrified in the storm at night at Bev's and Cora's house. But then the children had been with her to companion her even in their sleep, and Lige had come to save her from the terror of the wind. It was the wind that had driven her to promise to marry him. And now, where was Lige? Would he ever come back to her? Wouldn't he come back to save her, even if he despised her? He was so kind, always, until that morning. He was a little crazy, too, with the wind and the drought and worrying over things, she muttered to herself. Else he wouldn't have left me like he did. The wind shook the house vehemently, as if to wrench it from its foundations, tear it timber from timber. Letty cried aloud in terror, Lige! Lige! But she had no answer, save that which the wind gave. Sobbing, she huddled against the wall, her fingers twisted around each other, her face distorted, her shoulders shaking. Lige, if you don't come home, I'll go crazy in this wind, she wailed. Only the shouting norther gave reply. Was he lost in the storm so that he would freeze, alone on the prairie? If only she might know how to find him and bring him home, to shelter and warmth. But what could she do in this storm? Nothing. Nothing, she moaned as she paced the floor impotently. She shook with horror at thought of Lige at the mercy of the norther out on the plains, the wind that was so cunning and so strong, like a devil. The wind that went sweeping over the plain like a demon horse, with his mane flying, his hoofs striking fire, ready to trample her to death. Did she imagine it? Was she going crazy? Or did she hear the thundering hoofbeats of a galloping horse? She huddled in panic against the table, one hand on her heart. A shrill neigh sounded outside the door. She went almost mad with terror for a moment, and then she sprang forward as hope leaped to life again. She flung the door wide open. Lige! Lige! she cried. A tall figure swept in out of the blackness and slammed the door, 
to shut out the wind that would follow him. Lige! she cried, tears of joy running down her cheeks. But it was not Lige. As he swept off his broad-brimmed hat, she saw that Wert Roddy stood before her. End of chapter 13